You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. We're your hosts this morning, Mike Kidrowski and Father Josh Eli, coming to you from St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck, North Dakota. Before we begin Straight Talk, we want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows, submit a prayer intention for Prayerfully Yours, and see what's happening across the network on our news page. Be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. Now, uh, folks, as we uh, mentioned just a few moments ago, we have two priests here, Father Josh Eli, the rector of the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit in Bismarck, and also Father Dominic Bauck, the chaplain here at St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck. So you have a wealth of uh, information and an opportunity to talk uh, to these two fine priests. And you heard the dial tones. That means it's time for Straight Talk. Call 877-795-0122. Now to get on the air with us, 877-795-0122. You can also send your questions on Facebook. Call our screen, uh, excuse me, our call screeners will also be checking messages there. So the number is 877-795-0122. And so, uh, uh, Father Josh and Father Dominic, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks again for taking, uh, giving us your gift of time to be on the radio this morning. Well, there's such good work that's being done through uh, Catholic Radio. It's just good to be a part of it, Mike and Father Bauk is here. He's probably got class coming up in a little bit, but he, uh, little bit. he descended from the heights uh, to be with us. So. I just showed the bishop our new auditorium, which will open on Monday, our first concert in the first uh, auditorium in St. Mary's High School history. You That's did not, right. Father old, Eli, have well, an we, auditorium when you We were had here. a band room, and we had a gym, and we used them for uh, whatever. We've had plays in the band room, <laughs> I remember. So this will be, be wonderful. What a great way to... Another offering for our, for our fine students here, so they can fully develop, uh, be formed humanly. So yes, and uh, you know the, uh, uh, the 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 start of the school year. We're uh, over halfway through the school year now on, in this uh, new school, but there's been uh, uh, additions being c- completed, and open houses and celebrations right along, and we have one coming up on Monday. Uh, the uh, dedication of the auditorium. A brand new concert. Some priests will be singing during that concert. Kind of exciting. Wonderful. (laughs) And uh, the last thing to go now is chapel, which we all have been waiting for. With the domes up, the the brickwork's pretty much done, but there's a lot of artwork to do on the inside. So It's it's an extraordinary thing. And you can see it from coming in from from the north on Highway 83 and if you, depending on your, your flight path, Oh. When I came in, when I flew in in December, like, just before I started this new assignment, uh, 
the uh, the plane was actually banking to the left to make an approach from the from the northwest, and off of the out of the left window, uh, the port side, right there, I saw the dome. Nice, and it was extraordinary to see the gold. And Our Lady had already been uh, put in place on top of it. Uh -huh. Really a beautiful. Uh, so thanks to all the many generous donors. Mm -hmm. Got a little bit of work to, to do to finish work. to finish up uh, on the financial side. It's going to come in, but gratitude for all who were gave so generous. This is uh, it's going to be here for for many many years and going to be a great service to this community and to the church locally. Yes. So. If you're just joining us, we are at uh, Straight Talk. This is an opportunity for you to call in. That number again is 877-795-0122. And uh, uh, Father Eli, you uh, mentioned uh, uh, just a moment ago that uh, uh, you described uh, the, the profiles of the both of you, canonist and and a, and a biblical scholar. And a biblical scholar, okay. Yeah, yeah. so Father Bouk studied at the Gregorian, a uh, couple years of scripture, and then uh, I was at the uh, the rival school uh -uh. with the Dominicans. He was with the Jesuits <laughs> doing, my, doing my canon law, so that's what we're at. Yes, we do have a caller uh, uh, coming in. Uh, we're getting uh, that question now. And uh, so uh, can you explain here in... Uh, uh, 30 seconds or less. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, you, you mentioned canonist. So does that mean that uh, you're a canon lawyer? Yeah, that's right. So, okay. you know, the church, like any, any society or any organization, has laws, bylaws. But ours are codified, uh, 1,752 of them, and it's the way that uh, the universal church guides uh, bishops mm -hmm. uh, and the lay faithful as to what to do, what not to do. Uh, and so they need lawyers to... To interpret it and also to adjudicate when uh, there's been a violation or there's a doubt, we exist in a very similar fashion to uh, civil lawyers would to adjudicate and, and help people to make sense of it um, and make sure that we carry out the desires of the Pope, who is the the legislator, supreme legislator. So that's his book; he can change it when he wants. And so we are we are trying to uh, we are assigned to to make that clear and to and make sure that it's carried out. Mm -hmm. do you and know we do that also on a local level. You know, here we have a we have particular law. So that's universal for the whole church. Here in the Diocese of Bismarck, we have particular lines, so we also work in that regard. But mm -hmm. Do you know the difference between God and a lawyer? No. God doesn't think he's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is the, good. the classic humor coming from Father Dominic yeah. Bauer. That's my only joke I know. Right. Uh, All right. Do you know, well, well, there's another one. <laughs> we are ready for our caller all the way from uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, Jim, uh, good morning to you. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. And what is, yes, it, what, my, what is your question? question is, go ahead. Yes, thank you for joining us on uh, Real Presence Live Straight Talk this morning, Jim. Go ahead. What is your question this morning? My question is, what rights uh, are in communion with the Roman Catholic Church? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, and I'm sure glad we have two priests here this morning. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead, Father Balk? Well, there's, uh, as I think actually you mentioned this on a, uh, last time we were here together, Father Eli. That's but right. One of, the, one of the, the, the girls had that question yep. uh, from the, one of the students. There's, uh, you know, the, the traditional phrase that the church breathes with two lungs. You know, the bigger lung that we kind of are more familiar with is the Latin rite or the Roman rite, which is, encompasses most of the world. Uh, most of the Catholic world. Of course, the Catholic Church doesn't equal the Roman Catholic Church, 
the Roman Church is uh, a subdivision, so to speak, of that. Now, it's the biggest subdivision, um, and it also corresponds to where the Pope, who's the head of the Universal Catholic Church, uh, he lives in Rome. So he's in charge of the Roman Rite, but he's also in charge of the whole Catholic Church. The word Catholic obviously means universal, and through, you know, we could answer this in seven one-hour segments if we wanted, right. but... Ultimately, the, the church grows organically, and it grows up organically in different cultures and different places. And so, uh, especially in the early church, there was a bunch of different little locations with apostolic origins uh, where, the, where the church uh, came out of. Now, of course, with the big rupture in, in 1054, it got confusing because a lot of those churches uh, schiz committed schism and left uh, the submission to the Roman pontiff. That's a definition of schism that they failed to recognize the authority that the Roman pontiff, the, the Holy Father, the Pope, the successor of St. Peter, had over the universal church. So they have apostolic origins, they have the seven sacraments, but they don't have communion um, uh, with the Pope. Those are the Orthodox. The Orthodox. Now, there are the Catholic uh, rites in those places that do have all the sacraments, they have union with the Pope, that they're as Catholic as anybody else's. Yeah, and Jim, and there, you know, there would be properly called Eastern Catholic churches, right. Sometimes whereas we are part of the Latin church, which has within it even some different rites, just to make a, a canonical distinction, if you would permit me. The Latin church is, is, is all of the church that has this, its primary liturgical language, Latin, and within that, uh, you have the Dominican rite uh, and the Ambrosian. But these, all these others are Eastern Catholic churches. They're all part of the, the family, uh, but they're beautiful little slices of the pie that have very unique, they have a, their own language. Latin wouldn't be their principal language. Uh, and they also have their own expressions liturgically, and they have their own laws. Right. Uh, they are not governed by our law, the which Blue is the Code, Code of Canon, Canon law, law, which is for the Latin Church. But to give you some examples, Jim, to your great question, the Armenian Catholic Church uh, in Armenia, the Chaldean Catholic Church, the Ethiopian, Hungarian, uh, Maronite Church, Melkite, Cyril Malabar, Cyril Malankar, both in India. Uh, Ukrainian, we have we have Ukrainian uh, Catholics here, mm -hmm. and we also have Maronite. Uh, we used to have some Maronites up in the north. So beautiful little parts of the world where <clears throat> ritual grew up and the churches grew up in the end, of, and the Church Universal has, goes to, to great lengths to make sure that we preserve that patrimony because it's a rich part of our family history, mm -hmm. even though there's, there are differences uh, in, in some of the liturgical celebration, but and all I knew the same faith. I knew some Chaldean Catholics, so when you, when you read about the rise of ISIS in Iraq a few mm -hmm. years ago in Syria, the, the people that were being persecuted a lot were the Chaldean Catholics, and what I didn't know, the Chaldean Catholics, I mean, they've been around forever, they've been around right. since the origins of Christianity, and they're in union with the, the Holy Father, so right. there's these ancient Christian communities that we sometimes don't pay attention to because it's just far away and they're small but these are our, our forefathers in the faith in a lot of ways yeah. and there's a lot that actually live in the Detroit Windsor uh, Ontario area there's a big uh, diaspora of Chaldean Catholics for instance we have and a lot many of, of them suffering here. many of them suffering in areas of Syria the Maronite church that right where there is persecution under Isis now that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully that's been alleviated but okay and uh, uh, Jim uh, are you still on the phone Yes, I am. Yes, Jim. Uh, so, did we uh, did we answer your uh, question, oh, Jim? Well, and I, uh, I guess what, I guess what I'd like to ask is, uh, you said Eastern Orthodox, but now does that uh, uh, include uh, the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox? Yes. Uh, uh, okay. So, anytime you hear the word Orthodox, so those are the those are the communities that broke off after the Great Schism of 1054. Now, there's been yes, a lot of patchwork done, they but there's... They follow the Pope as being... That's uh, it, yep. Right. And, but, and. but we are allowed, to, okay, as a Roman Catholic, if uh, 
Uh, the Roman Catholic Mass is not available in an area that we're in. So we go to an Eastern Orthodox church and yeah, fulfill if, our Sunday obligations? They, they have valid sacraments. If they let you. Yeah, just don't tell them you're a Just don't tell them you're a Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, they may not. If they find out, uh, they still harbor some some animosity. But but yeah, because they have valid sacraments, and Jesus wants to be with yeah, us. I, okay, Th- that's what I needed to know. Thank you very much. Enjoy your program. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Jim, Thank you. for calling in. God bless you. You have a great day. Yes. God bless you all. Bye. All right, uh, Jim from Rochester, thanks for calling in. Uh, we are reaching uh, all corners of the network, uh, five states, five uh, states and ten dioceses, uh, from Gillette, Wyoming to Superior, Wisconsin, Williston, North Dakota, to Rochester, Minnesota. So we are at Straight Talk. The number to call in is 877-795-0122. Uh, we do have Father Josh Eli uh, standing by and also Father Dominic Bauk, we have two priests of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ here to take your question. And again, that number is 877-795-0122. We do have uh, uh, someone coming uh, to us via Facebook, and uh, we will get to that in just a moment. But uh, uh, I just want to say, extend a thanks to Father Josh Eli and Father Dominic Bauk for joining us here uh, today uh, with Real Presence Live. We have Phil on Facebook. It seems there is the idea of receiving the Eucharist only rarely out of reverence and piety is resurfacing. Wasn't this issue addressed in the late 1800s? Hmm. Well, it's fun. One of the well, the the there's definitely like this movement towards more frequent reception of the 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 Eucharist. And the founder of our diocese, Pope Saint Pius X, was a big proponent of this. Who uh, lowered the age of First Communion is a part of this push to to increase uh, to increase <coughs> uh, up to daily you know reception of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, I think you know. It's, this question always gets very kind of complicated and people get sensitive because it's the most sublime mystery of our faith. You know, it's a very right. serious, but also a very joyful and uh, uh, intimate and profound event. So anytime you talk about it, it's kind of like, it's a little bit, it's a, you have to, you can't paint with broad strokes. It's a little bit nuanced. Um, but the idea is that, yeah, every time, you know, especially since the Second Vatican Council, that there is this unity between mass attendance and reception of Holy Communion. In fact, in the pre-Second Vatican Council Church, I've heard it was it was somewhat common to have you, you would receive communion sometimes like outside of Mass regularly, and then during Mass you wouldn't go up as much. So it's kind of you know the Church wanted to wanted to really unify at Mass attendance and reception of the Eucharist as a part of the liturgical act of worship, which at, at which the the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered. Um, so that was like a, a definite push. There's also some sort of confusion in the in the uh, the the 70s and 80s with, with the kind of the lack of catechesis that's beset us in our in our day, of of what it means to receive the Eucharist. Obviously, we believe that uh, under the appearances of bread and wine lies the reality of Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity that we receive that totally, and truly, and completely. And as such, you know, Saint Paul talks about this uh, in the Epistle to the Corinthians, that it it's it's a it's such an important moment of communion. With, with Jesus that we need 
to be in uh, our baptismal state of grace, that we have to have his life within us, that we have to be, have that life of the Holy Trinity. In fact, when we receive in the Eucharist, uh, that we are properly disposed um, to enter into that mystery. If we've separated ourselves through serious sin um, from the life of the Holy Trinity, from that grace living within us, then we're asked not to receive it. And I think so- sometimes that there's this this difference in catechesis or catechesis, catechetical awareness, I guess, of do some people don't understand that, and often, unfortunately, through no fault of their own, that it was just not clearly communicated. Because sometimes you want to present only the the kind of the enjoyable, more pleasant aspects of the faith, but also you also need to uh, make clear the the duties and responsibilities of our faith too, which is always couched in. And I know Father Eli, we agree on this <laughs> that it's always in terms of mercy. And this this fact that we're on a journey, but but it's also a real relationship that if if we don't have uh, a right relationship with someone, that we can't expect to experience that communion in the same way. Just like a married couple, if they if if they have problems, if there's been infidelity, that they wouldn't have communion in the same way. Well, even more intimate than the communion between husband and wife is the communion between God and man in that sacrament, in the sacrament of Holy Communion, where He enters bodily into our body. It's a very intimate moment, and it presumes that there's a right relationship. Now, God's very easy to reconcile with. Obviously, we have the sacrament of confession, which we can avail ourselves of all the time. So we just, you know, the church just reminds us that the 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 act of being in communion needs to be reflected in the reality of communion between us and God, right? between our soul and God dwelling within us. And so if it seems like today that maybe there's a reticence to receive Holy Communion, I don't think, that my impression is, I don't think most people are avoiding receiving Holy Communion out of some sort of general, you know, I should only receive it once a month or once a year because I want to make it special. Uh, that The Church definitely has moved us in the opposite direction. That as, So long as we're in a state of grace, so long as we're in a state of communion with God, that we are to receive Holy Communion at the Mass that we attend. Am I, am I correct on that, Father Eli? That's right. So, if, if you notice maybe a, a, a number of people who aren't receiving Communion, it's probably more so a greater awareness of the, the state of grace that we need to be in in order to receive that Communion. Um, and there's just a greater catechetical awareness of that as opposed to maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. The last little public service announcement I would make is that under no circumstances should there be any sort of... Uh, condescension or judgment or any sort of sideways glances. If someone presents himself and asks for a blessing instead, first of all, as we've said, you don't know why. Because we do also have the Eucharistic fast, so maybe they had a donut on their way to church. Second of all, even if they are in a state of sin, it belongs to none of us to to judge our fellow Christian and the state and the the, the part of the journey that they're on. My gosh, if we think we're perfect, then we don't need Jesus. And if we don't uh, invite Jesus into our life, then that's when we're in trouble. And if you want to get Jesus mad, just, you know, eavesdrop on his conversations with the Pharisees. That's when we can get into trouble. So if you see someone, a, a parish should be a welcoming place, but also an honest place that, you know, sometimes we're not where we want to be with our relationship with God. And that means we don't receive communion that day. But we still go to Mass. You still go to Mass. Even if you're in a state of sin, you go to Mass. And you receive the graces that God has to offer you in your in your state. He doesn't abandon us when we're in sin. It's not like He's right. taking a vacation. It's us saying, God, I don't want you to be a part of my life right now. Which we need to uh, fix, you know, by, by asking His forgiveness. But there should be no place for judgment or condemnation in that yeah. moment. Well, thank you very much uh, for that uh, uh, discussion, uh, Father Dominic. And we have Jimmy. 
uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'd like some ideas on incorporating St. Joseph in my prayer life. Great question, Jimmy. Nice. In fact, uh, throughout the city of Bismarck, uh, there's a number of men who right now, as we move into Lent and toward the great feast of St. Joseph, uh, March 19th, we're doing a consecration. So on a very con concrete level, Jimmy, uh, one thing is if you want to get it started, you can call on him and say, Joseph, I, I'd like you to be a little bit more part of my life, especially if I have vocation of a, of a father. Uh, and so one way to do it is do a consecration. I, I'm, I'm, we're a number of us. There's a great group, I don't know, 70 or 80 of us throughout Bismarck who are doing this. It's about 33-day consecration. There's one that we're doing, the one from Father uh, Donald Calloway. And there are novenas you can get on the Internet. And uh, I think that's a great way to start by just saying, uh, Joseph, I... Uh, I want to have a, a deeper relationship with you, and uh, that's what uh, you know. Novenas and, and these these rich traditions of the church are for is to to get us into the rhythm of talking to and uh, with our, our brothers and sisters who have gone now are in beatitude. Uh, so you know, consecration to Saint Joseph, uh, novena, you know, nine days of asking him and asking him for special gifts for your family and also for yourself, saying, uh, I want to have you more in my life, Joseph, because you're. Uh, you're the just man. You're you're an excellent uh, father to our our blessed Lord, foster father. Yes, but uh, as this consecration of Saint Joseph kind of pointed out, he was a father. You know, he wasn't biologically so. He was a father to Jesus. Uh, so I want to be. I want more of that in my life. Uh, and you can just ask him, uh, Jimmy, throughout the day, and whoever else is out there, especially you fathers. Uh, if you're confronted with the challenges of life, paying the bills, uh, children who. Uh, maybe having tough times, or even even the, the needs of, of your spouse. St. Joseph, help me out now. Today, yeah. uh, going into work, uh, there's some people there that are tough to deal with, and I'm not myself, uh, I'm not being the best version of myself. Joseph, be with me, accompany me, lead yeah. me, guide me. Yeah, Father Josh, could you discuss a little bit more? You, you call this the 33-day consecration to St. Joseph. Right. Is, is, is there a gathering on a weekly basis, you mentioned, of so these 70 men? Very good. Okay. There was a kickoff uh, kind of a prayer service, and then a, couple, a group of them get together every Wednesday, so they can say it together at least one day a week. It's really hard to bring you know, those 80 really busy dads and men and priests together. Right. So we're mainly doing it on our own, but through spiritual communion, uh, okay. one another praying it. But they do get together on Wednesdays, and then uh, shortly after the final, uh, well, the conclusion would be March 19th, and I think it's a couple of days after, there's actually going to be a, um, uh, a mass offered at the Church of St. Joseph by our good friend Father Josh Waltz mm -hmm. to kind of wrap it up and make the official consecration to St. Joseph, as many uh, listeners are probably familiar with, consecration to Our Lady, yeah. to Mary, Louis de Montfort, and others. So something along yeah. those lines. For those just hearing about this and interested in this, uh, I'm, I'm a little intrigued now. Uh, can uh, uh, can we s start this? Uh, does it have to be leading up to the no. feast day of Saint Joseph? It's those are always ideal. Okay, but, but uh, I think Saint Joseph and uh, most importantly, our blessed Lord would be happy if you yeah. did it. Okay, guy, somebody did it anytime. The nice thing is you got two two chances. You got uh, Joseph, Joseph the worker, the worker May first, obviously, which in Italy is also there national holiday of labor day and they don't go to work so there's no work on me uh -huh. that would be good maybe we should mm -hmm. add and that on. is just a little you know joseph's also the patron of work so you mentioned going to work double yeah. dip and then the patron of the church the universal yeah. church and if you didn't want to wait there's a great idea father Bauk. if you didn't want to wait you can start it anytime the lord will he'll provide whatever's needed you know. 
Well, our number, uh, folks, uh, to call in, 877-795-0122. That number again is 877-795-0122. We are uh, in the Straight Talk segment of the uh, Real Presence Radio Live Show. We're broadcasting live from St. Mary Central High School in Bismarck, North Dakota. We have Father Josh Eli and Father Dominic Bauk, uh, both present right now, waiting for your call. And uh, please call 877-795-0122. Why don't we, uh, if we can, Mike, let's... Since we didn't get a chance to exhaust it, we're not going to, but uh, I don't know if Father Bauk was here with, uh, as the bishop was speaking, but about the synod. And, you know, the bishop made a good point, and I read the document last night, and it's a very good document. It's very much, Francis, it's about the people there. It's not about church discipline. It's about the people. He has real care for the poor. And he also has that deep care for, uh, for nature, for the natural created world, that it not be fleeced for the sake of simple gain. And the bishop mentioned it. He said, you may be surprised. There are quotes in here from Benedict XVI. Uh, and I'm just looking, looking at number 12 of this uh, apostolic exhortation, post-synodal. Uh, My predecessor, Benedict XVI, condemned, and this is, quote, the devastation of the environment in the Amazon basin and the threats against the human dignity of the peoples living in that region. So there's great, there's great continuity. There's this hermeneutic continuity, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people know that Pope Benedict said that. For some reason, we weren't fixated on it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, now the, the great work that, that the Pope is doing, it's really, it's really in continuity with, with what was already being said. The bishop made that really good point um, in the issue of, of married men. It comes up very late in the document, and it was, as the bishop wisely said, it's in the context of, no, we need to, we need to encourage vocations. Mm-hmm. We need to encourage missionary zeal as to not be, to be uh, confused that this is what the document or even the synod was about, but that's where some of the media, fake news, maybe, type media, yeah. makes more out of it than really. You read the document, it's beautiful. It's really Francis in, in the heart of, of the Vicar of Christ uh, being attentive to the, the needs of the poor, those who have been fleeced and been mistreated mm-hmm. uh, throughout mm-hmm. the, uh, the last several hundred years with colonization. They just, a lot of them were not treated well. Um, and they were stripped of their of their dignity and their identity, and he's saying we need to return that because they have great cultural gifts. He also talks about that uh, inculturation. We got to be attentive to that. It's been a part of the church throughout the course of history. We haven't always been good at it, mm-hmm. but there's something there that every culture, every every people, as as created by God, have something to contribute to the whole. And he's saying let's just be attentive to what these people have, and not simply impose Western ways on these poor jungle people. No, let's actually look and see what they can teach us about God, because God is speaking to them. You know, mm-hmm. we don't we don't have the market cornered on any communication with God. He's written it into our hearts, whether they're pagan or or or, or, or Jewish or Muslim and Christian. We have the fullness, thanks be to God. But I just mm-hmm. wanted to make mm-hmm. that that point because I know there there are probably listeners out there who are still wondering. Uh, right. I encourage you to pick it up and read it. And a good point too is like you know you talk about the conservation of the earth. You know, our local political hero Teddy Roosevelt, you know, founded the national parks. Just this idea, it's so sad, you know, we're, in, we're heavy into politics season. And so you almost get pushed into, you, you feel like you have to get pushed into one side or another where you have to be this extremist tree hugger or you have to, like, right. bulldoze everything and put, you know, uh, just... And in, in the middle lies, over right, <laughs> might lies Catholicism. I know, right. So both and, we embrace it all. Is man, uh, man was given dominion over the garden right. and that, you know, we, we use the earth. Right. But we know not to, to waste and to, right. to, to be destructive. But we it's have, like we have our, our message just gets hierarchy lost. Hierarchy of goods, you know. But but we, we have a lot of goods on that list, and we got to do whatever we can do to uh, 
support them all. <clears throat> and then the last thing was just with that, that was in that document very briefly, because it, it got some uh, a lot of press about women being deacons. You know, and Francis again in here he says something really beautiful. He says we did we need to take our focus off of clericalizing lay vocations. So you, Mike, have a beautiful vocation as a married man, uh, and your your wife has a beautiful vocation as a wife and mother. To be able to say, why would we just want to clericalize what's already been given to us by God as beautiful fundamental vocations to be a husband and a wife, a grandmother, so that all this push to well, let's just let's just slap some oil on them, consecrate them, make them clerics. The Pope says, no, let's let's take the focus off of trying to clericalize the beautiful lay. Or, and he, he said, in particular, with the gifts of women, they are the glue of these cultures, as they are ours. Mm -hmm. They're the glue. So why would we make them clerics when they're already doing so much for the, the local community? So he has a, it's, it's a very brief section. It's not there's not much you can go into a little word search. It's worth reading how his love for the for the the, the feminine vocation mm -hmm. uh, it clearly comes out. He said, I don't just want them to be deacons and priests, because what they are doing right now is absolutely essential, and they have their hands full already. Mm -hmm. uh, doing the work throughout the world of really the glue to a lot of a lot of cultures and a lot of civilizations. So uh, get out there, folks, and take a look at it. It's a beautiful document, and uh, not nearly you know a little bit uh, upsetting for all the people who wanted fireworks yeah. uh, and wanted something to, to get angry about. But well, it's just not there, and it's really quite uh, rich. Yes, uh, we're, uh, we're in straight talk, ladies and gentlemen. We have just uh, uh, about a minute and a half left. Uh, Father Dominic and Father Josh, I just wanted to make sure that uh, you are thanked, thanked again for uh, bringing us straight talk this morning. Thank you very much for your discussion. Any final words of wisdom? Father Dominic uh, uh, is the chaplain here at St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck. He's off to uh, his class after this, right? Correct. Any uh, parting words for us? Uh, well, you know, just kind of on that topic of like the, the church changing, the church staying the same. Benedict had this great quote of, uh, the church is both pro progressive and conservative, or progressive and traditional. There's, there's moments where we can progress, we can come to a greater understanding of what God's will is for us today, but we're also always rooted in those things. So we need not fear when there's little shifts in practice, and in, in, there wasn't any this time, but you right. know, we don't we need to fear about, for our right. faith when, when changeable things might change. Right. Jesus is we are in charge. And we have to have by faith the confidence that the things that can't change won't, because otherwise our faith is a complete meaninglessness, yeah. and I'll go to Las Vegas for a weekend. And yes. Well said. Right. Well said, Father, well said, I, I, I Father Dominic. I see you soon. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Now, coming up next, it's uh, a new plan. You're, now, listen to this, folks. It's a new plan to help address the crisis of far too many young people leaving the church and later do coffee and rolls play a role in evangelization? Oh, man. We'll find out we all this. That's scintillating. Much more <laughs> coming up on Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>